Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, So please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan. It's something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar, and full contact, and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Check it out at fdm.usafootball.com. I also want to let you know about our new Football for All podcast, which is designed to help you distribute this information to your youth football coaches, youth parents, and youth commissioners. And you'll find that there's a lot of useful information in it for you, the high school coach, to help you build your youth programs and help feed your varsity program. Check that out at fdm.usafootball.com backslash podcast. The first six episodes really explain exactly what the football development model is. On today's podcast, I'm excited to be joined by somebody who Growing up here in the Cleveland area, I really looked up to as a coach, and I thought everything that he did was kind of a model of what you need to do as a coach. He's been on the podcast here a couple times now and been able to really get to know him over the years, both as a high school coach, then as a college coach, recruiting his school, and and now just with the work that he's doing with us at USA Football. And that's the head football coach at Cleveland St. Ignatius, Chuck Kyle. Coach, it's great to have you here. Well, it's good to be with you again, Keith. Absolutely. Well, Coach, we talked about maybe some 
potential topics we could look at today. For you, this is the 48th year of, of coaching, 37th at St. Ignatius. And, you know, the the game has, it's it's been interesting. It's It's changed a lot, but there's things that have remained. You know, we still have a very strong football tradition and what this game is, and I think it will always remain, you know, a game that's going to be tough and physical and really build character. But there's been a lot of, of other things that have changed here really probably in the last just three years is become on the way we do things probably the most as coaches has changed and I think changed for the positive. I agree totally. The the interesting thing is if you if you're a student of the game and, and you go back historically, I mean back to let's let's go back to you know, when my dad played back in the nineteen thirties, the coach would have to meet with the quarterback my dad was a quarterback. It's a total different job now. The quarterback in the single wing was a blocker, and he called the plays. You know, that was it. Way totally different. But anyway, he would have to go over to the head coach's house on Wednesday night and go over the plays because once the game started back in the 1930s, the coach sat on the bench and was that's it. I mean, he wasn't signaling anything. And totally the quarterback had to call all the plays and, and just do it all. Now take a look, it goes on, right? The communication is so vastly different. And I, I think you see more and more of it. And the reason I bring it up, an interesting thing is, is RPOs, right? I mean, that's the big thing in the last what, six years or whatever. And, and stop and think what RPO is. When you call it as a coach, you're really not sure. You know, you got a couple choices there quarterback and you're holding your breath on which choice that quarterback makes. So that part of the game is kind of interesting how that's developed, you know, and, and because, I mean, let's face it, uh, offensively, I think everybody does that now. I mean, you come to the line of scrimmage and you're going to get your pre-reads and then here you go. Right. And, and, and even after the snap, you're reading something and can change what you're doing. So that's just one example, but, but, Let's face it, that's the hot topic nowadays, right? Every, every you, you go to any clinic or you go online to watch any sort of, you know, just, just sort of a, a clinic type of thing from a college coach or even a pro coach, you're, you're seeing an RPO. And, okay, quarterback, handle it, handle it. And I think that's sort of the fun thing that, that, that's really been interesting. And obviously, a lot of responsibility put on the quarterback, but it still is. Everybody's got to be on the same page, you know, the linemen and the, and the receivers and everything. And, and uh, so, I, yeah, it, it's it's still that game that we all love. Okay, the the, uh, the teamwork idea and all sorts of sports have teamwork. I get it, but football is is really on another level uh, of, of of understanding the guy next to you. He's working with you and. The, and who's the quarterback? He doesn't have the linemen with him. And the receivers have to be on the same page. You know, all this, all this. And, and defense, the same thing, the communication. It's just such an important uh, sport that way uh, of, of teaching and learning. But it is a game that keeps evolving and keeps changing. That's why you have these podcasts, buddy. You, you're, t- you know, <laughs> you're the communicator, okay, of, of a, for a lot of coaches out there. Yeah, it's it is interesting how the RPOs changed the game. And I can remember back when I first started coaching with my dad at, at St. Bartholomew when I was in college. And you, you remember those days we had, I'm trying to think, David Ragone over there and Scott Mutrin. But uh, my dad had been coming up through high school 
he played high school football, I think, till his sophomore year. Then, then he played basketball was his deal. And he was a head basketball coach here in, in Northeast Ohio at Streetsboro High School, as well as the defensive coordinator. And I remember asking him in, in my early days as a coach, what do you, which did you like or what do you like coaching better, being like basketball or, or football? And his answer was, you know, he loves the game of basketball. But what he liked about football is, you know, he could kind of maintain more control of what was going to happen with that ball. And whereas in basketball, you know, I mean, you, you put it up, the ball's in the air, and you're not quite sure what's going to happen, where it's going to go, who's putting it up. And that's kind of, as you talked about the RPO, you know, what the game has become, right? That we've got that quarterback now who's the point guard, and he's dealing that ball everywhere, keeping it in himself. And, you know, the ball's being run, it's being thrown, it's it's attacking. Now, you know, option football was kind of that horizontal attack. And you look at now, option football, which has is, is really become the RPO, there's there's uh, definitely a, a vertical aspect of that because you can attack not just level one, but you're on level two and three right now. And, and uh, you know, it has to be coached. I remember having, in the early days of this podcast, your offensive coordinator, longtime offensive coordinator, Nick Restifo on, talking about how he practiced it. And, you know, I mean, it's new drills, it's new periods, it's new coaching on film. So it's, you know, that, that's been, I think, the fun part of this as, as the game has progressed. And it went from, oh, you could think back in the 70s, 80s, you know, a game at times that could be played in, in the hallway of the school because you were running it between the tackles, right? Everything was packed in to now, you know, you hear, you know, offensive guys saying we're going to attack every blade of grass, right? All, all 53 and a third and 100 yards, we're going after it. So uh, I think that's made it a lot of fun. Oh, it, it's fun to watch athletically because, like you're talking about, you know, running between the tackles. When they said, when you say spread offense, right? Spread it out. Well, now it's the speed, the athleticism is more visible. And for defensive coaches, it's more dangerous because one play drives can take place a lot easier than it was back in the 70s. I mean, Woody Hayes had a very strong influence, especially in Ohio. Uh, but in a lot of places because great back then, you know, Hey, you get three, four yards of crack and just keep that field position and pound, pound. Well, you know, you, you watch these amazing programs, you know, the, the, the Alabamas and you watch the Clemson's and, and on Oklahoma's and, Oh man, you know, every time they, 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 they get the signal, who knows who can break it. Right. And, you know, you mentioned some of the guys that, that, quarterback it, what you taught them in grade school that came to us you know you take a look at those guys and brian hoyer he's, he's in the he's back with the patriots those days of coaching high school football and and notice those were drop back quarterbacks you know i mean i mean for them to run the offenses that are happening now would take a lot uh, a lot of work uh, why because i mean as they're, they're good athletes, but I don't think any of them were really old. Those guys are, are uh, running threats. Not really. I mean, they would take off and get a first down, or we'd call a quarterback draw once in a while, you know, just, just to keep people honest. But the R, part of the RPO is the quarterback can dash you with, with his legs. So it's interesting how that part of it, you know, the pro style quarterback, which to me, when we had our, our success, you know, in the late eighties and in, in the nineties, we honestly, we were kind of drop back, 
quarterbacks and let it let it rip. But that's evolved, you know. That's kind of changed. Your quarterback has to be a guy that can can be willing to run the ball. And how you coach, you make a, you, you got to decide now how many times you want your quarterback to run it. You know, I think that's one thing that that's talked about quite a bit. There's teams that we go against where the quarterback runs the ball more than the running back significantly, and that that's that's a little different. <laughs> I I'm I'm still I guess I'm an old guy, but I mean I, that you, know, you you play a ten game high school season and hopefully you go on into the playoffs. I mean, how many times do you want your quarterback getting hit like that? But I can ask that question a million times. But the point of the matter is. No, the quarterback is a running back factor now where years ago, eh, you didn't want to do that too much. You know, you wanted to hand it off to that fine running back and let him run it 25, 30 times, you know? So the game, you know, this, this is, we're talking about things how when you say how the game has, has been evolving, it's still blocking. It's still tackling, catching the ball, defending, you know, uh, there's blitzes, there's, there's all, but, but it is a, it's an athletic idea with the quarterback really having to be multiple threat. And part of that multiple is his brain. You know, it doesn't shock anybody that you'll get to the draft, to the NFL draft, and guess how many quarterbacks will be drafted in the first 10 picks, right? Every year. And it's just, it reinforces what we're talking about. Exactly. I can say, Coach, maybe not when he was with you, because he was kind of a, a late bloomer for you, but David Ragone, when he was at Louisville and he was up to, you know, what's David, like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, he was up to about 250. I mean, he was a big guy, right? Hard to bring down. He was playing for John L. Smith. Now, he wasn't necessarily the runner, but he might have been a guy who was dangerous in that type of offense. And I remember when he went to the league, you know, they wanted him. And it was, well, you and I, we were at his, his wedding. And David, David Ragones is there at like 225, and we hadn't seen that in a while. Like, he looked really skinny because they wanted the prototypical guy. Like, you know, he might have been different in these kinds of offenses. Yeah, I mean, it, is, it was just the philosophical approach back then. And, and offensively, you know, re- reflecting back, one of the things that promoted the idea of, of, of the spread offense and, and the athletic when I say athletic, the type of quarterback that, yeah, he can really, he could be a running back too. You know, he'd be a tailback. Really came around, recruiters would tell me that, you know, when you look in the, all over the country, how many pro style, really top, you know, five star pro style quarterbacks are there in the nation? And I'm going to say there's just a handful of those guys. And there were certain colleges that were automatically going to get those guys. And so then you had, there's some of the other guys going, well, we're never going to get that guy. So we have to go a different route. And so here, here comes this good athlete that we want him to have the ball in his hands anyway. So let's put him at quarterback, give him some simple passing reads. This is how it first began, you know, just a, a two man pattern and let him throw and then run the read options and, and, and develop from there. And then, as, as as people are trying to stop that offense, they had to, let's face it, they had to commit their safeties a little bit more to the run. I mean, safeties used to be guys way back there just watching, you know, watching the play and making sure nobody broke away. Well, now you're seeing safeties kind of, I mean, they're getting a, a quick read and they are linebackers. Here they come. But now it's, okay, if you're going to do that, the RPO tells you what, let's go. You got one-on-one. 
let's take our shot, you know? So I'm not, it, 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 it's just sort of historically interesting how that's evolved and, and certain guys can do it. Certain guys, I, I look back going, I don't know. I don't know if they would have been as effective, you know, nowadays, but who knows? They would have adapted too, I guess. Well, change is kind of the topic of, of things for us here. And we've seen football take a hit in Northeast Ohio as far as participation. And, and now I think we're, we're seeing it start to trend up. You've been involved quite a bit with us at USA Football, with the Cleveland Browns as their youth advisor. I think the Cleveland Browns are, are doing a great job in Northeast Ohio here, leading in this space as well and trying to be at the forefront of, of things that can help everybody in in their communities and really you know how did this come about well call it what you want you know there were things that caused the game to be attacked a little bit the game to be questioned and things that you know got sensationalized and we won't get into I guess the, the politics of those things but what it did force us to do was really look at how we're doing things and I'd say the response you know I think coaches in general are problem solvers and we certainly I think we want to hold on to traditions and things like that so it might have you know slowed things down as far as the progress but I'm seeing just a ton of movement in how we think about teaching the game from our youngest levels and you are at the forefront of that you're you know a great boots on the ground guy here in northeast Ohio I know a lot of our our coaches around the community have, have come to you and said, well, how do you do this? How do you implement, as an example, rookie tackle in a league? You know, and, and then ideas, as always, and coaches get together, more ideas come about. And, you know, I've seen guys like uh, you know, Mike Elder and Avon, Ohio here, do a great job in going to you and saying, you know, how can I make my youth program better? And then coaches who have talked to him and it's kind of spreading. And, you know, I've had coaches on here from the area who their numbers were hurting. I think Rocky River, Josh Wells came on and talked about, you know, they went from really hurting the numbers to selling out their program and just what they've done to implement the football development model. Yeah, Keith, everything you're saying there is what has been happening. And there's certainly more work to be done. There's certainly issues, and I'm not going to go into them, but if anybody ever wants to talk to me, I'll go over issues of, of how um, some, some misinformation about research took place. That's all I'm going to say. But yes, is there a silver lining to it? Yes, there is. And I think it's happening in, in other contexts, sports too. Is the idea that in, in all fairness, you look back to some guys that played football, you know, in the 60s and 70s and have had problems as they get older. Well, the medical profession didn't know. I mean, to be honest with you, they didn't know. I mean, a concussion, people would think, oh, you got your bell rung, you just rest up, you'll be okay, and you'll be back at it. I mean, that's what was going on. I mean, Keith, if people would watch old Westerns right back in the 50s and 60s, the old Westerns, you know, uh, the Lone Ranger and so on like that, what would you see on those TV shows? You'd see somebody get hit over the head with a gun, right? And the guy's knocked out. Okay. And in a minute or so later, he gets up, gets on his horse and runs after the bad guy and gets him. Well, time out. That was a concussion. That guy should, but that's what everybody thought back then. So obviously, you know, you, you know, you'd played physically hockey players play without helmets 
you can just go on and on, right? So once all this information started coming out and the research wasn't well-developed uh, as far as a concussion and everything and, and long-term problems and CTE and all that, as more and more of it was starting to be just talked about, thank God that the people were going, now, wait a minute. Well, let's take a look at what we've been doing and let's make some rule changes. Let's make some practice etiquette take place on what should take place at practices and what drills would be safer than what we've been doing. That took place. So there's a silver lining to all this. And it's our jobs, certainly as I think college coaches for sure, high school coaches for sure to take a sincere, strong interest in the youth football in their area. Where it's been successful, where it's been very successful, is when the high school coach in that area takes a hands-on involvement in the youth and helping to teach the, the proper techniques of contact and encourage him to look on, honestly, the programs that USA Football has that, that, that are available are excellent. You know, there's a lot of kind-hearted guys that, that go, hey, my kid's old enough to play football. Hey, I, I played in high school. I'll come help out, you know, come volunteer. But come on, it's changed since you've played. You've got to go online and take a look, okay? It's, they don't, don't line up and play and do Oklahoma every night or the Oklahoma drill, okay? I mean, that thing, don't even just put that on the shelf and say it's out of here. It, it's no longer part of football, but they remember back, you know, okay, things have changed and for the good, there's no doubt about it for the good. And it, it's more effective. And, but, you know, so what we have to do is keep encouraging that. And, and, and it's, as you just mentioned, there's, there's several high school guys that have really made that time sacrifice to help their youth groups. And it's paying off in dividends for the for for the high school because gradually those kids are going to come up and play so we've got to keep that going and we've got to just encourage it more and more yeah coach it's one of those things and it's it's really been a progression here you know as i said you've been involved with it with us at usa football and you know it started with rookie tackle and looking at game types and how can we introduce different game types to to really help the game and you know the thought initially was how do we grow the game, right? How do we make sure kids keep coming in? And so rookie tackle was a positive thing. And, and now we've also looked at the types of contact in, involved in the game. So you go from, you know, games with no contact like flag football, which can teach a ton of the skills that are going to translate and allow these young players to develop to, to what they need to be to eventually play 11-man tackle football. But then we looked at different types of games. You know, I know People in Texas have been doing this for a while. I don't want to give anybody like the, the credit for starting it. I don't know exactly where it started, but I know in Northeast Ohio, you know, Mike Elder has had a lot of success in going from flag to a limited contact game and padded flag, right? And I mean, he'll talk about it firsthand. You know, there, there was a lot of fear created about this through some of the things that came out in the media. And so rightfully so, you know, mom, even dad, a little bit concerned about, when's the right time for my son to, to play? But instead of saying, okay, you're going to go from flag to tackle right away, we can put a, a bridge in there with padded flag. 
and teach you to play the game on your feet, right? I mean, we always want our players to stay on their feet, and it's just better a better way to play the game. They're more athletic that way. So teach them to be athletes, to not necessarily have all the contact involved. You're still pulling flags, but in pulling a flag, you're getting in a great position that later on you're going to translate that to the rest of the skill of completing that tackle. Um, you're going to learn to u- utilize your hands and shoulders to block and keep your head out of the game that – you know, the limited contact, I think, has been something that's really helped the game in this area. I know I mentioned Josh Wells at, at Rocky River, right? And, and, you know, him saying, you know, after they learned some of this from Mike, who learned it from you, that, you know, that was a really good way for them to in, invigorate participation in their program. So it's it's about not just a progression of game types, too. It's It's arming coaches with all the knowledge they need. So you look at the football development model, and it is, you know, the skills progression. How do you develop a certain skill, whatever it might be, blocking or tackling or throwing a football, catching a football, running routes, like all those things that take some time to develop in this game. Now we we put these guys on a pathway so that, you know, again, that, that big hearted dad who comes out and says, well, I played high school football, but all he remembers is what he did in high school football. He doesn't remember what it's like at those very young levels to bring these guys through and, and get them to develop as an athlete while developing a love for the game. Yeah, Keith, that's a really important progression that you talked about. There's Right now, there are various entrance points that people can get in, their, their son, maybe even their daughter, come on, involved in the game of football. It's, it's getting that knowledge to the parent and to the, to the coaches. Now, why do I bring that up? Take a look at what Mike has, uh, Elder has done with, with the padded flag. It, it needs to be talked about in other areas because flag football, and, and I invite anybody, any doubter, take a look. Flag football is flourishing for young kids, flourishing. It's just that point right after flag where, okay, I, I, is my son ready to actually – get into full-fledged tackling and you know rookie tackles created a a nice conversation now that 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 parents would say oh i I can see how this is in a controlled environment there is tackling but because it's uh, the the limited of the field and 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 so on that that it's more controlled and it's certainly a clearly a safer game and 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 surveys i know usa football has come out with and shown that, that surveys all over America, parents agree that it is a safer game than it was. Okay. Now it's how do we communicate to these coaches that still there could be more kids coming out? Well, that's where padded flag could be very, very important. And I'm, I'm trying to introduce that to a number of leagues. You know, they, what was nice is rookie tackle broke the ice. How's, can I say it that way? It broke the ice. You know, you, you had a lot of coaches that go, no, that's not football. Come on. You know, they, no, it is, sir. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, just just be open-minded. It actually looks more like the real game than, than that little guy who's faster than everybody running for the sidelines and then breaking free. Right. Yeah. That, that, you know, it, it just became where there was actually good football skills taking place. But the padded football thing. Now, the kid gets a chance to what? Get used to putting on equipment. Okay? And wearing it and... 
how to be the athlete still with all with that equipment on. Okay. Number two, and I think this is very important with padded flag, there is contact because you can teach blocking and there, so there is contact. Now that's the first time the kid is experiencing contact and there's the chance to right away, the head is out of the way. You're using your arms, you're using your hips and you're exploding those arms in a, in a good area. You know, you're creating that, that bridge there with the punch and keeping your thumbs up. A lot to be taught there, a lot to be taught. And the kid's getting used to that, but not going to the ground. We're not going on the ground with pileups and so on. Okay. Because just giving them a chance to step-by-step learn. And what padded flag, and I give Mike Elder a lot of credit here. He he was, this is what we're going to do. You know, he was very firm about that with his youth group. And what I think all of us learned, wait a minute, the kid is getting used to contact. He's getting used to it. And the blocking idea and keeping the head out of the way and, and just the idea of how much can a kid absorb and maybe at this point in looking back again, it, it rookie tackle broke the ice, no doubt about it, but there was still a, another possibility before he even got to rookie tackle where it, it's just that idea of wearing the equipment, learning how to contact with the block and, and, and understanding contact, let him spend a year or so doing that and then go to rookie tackle and the progression p- could be even more effective as developing a better football player and also a safer football player. So I think there's a lot of really good things going on here, but we need coaches to be open-minded about it. We need the high school coaches to look at this thing and, and go, Hey, I'm going to go down to my youth group and talk about it and answer questions. Or if I, if he doesn't have the answer, come on, there's people that he can contact and and they can get the answer. Yeah, and I think in looking at this, we've mentioned the, the, the youth coach in this a, a couple times now. And, you know, I think back to when I was at Amherst Steel, and we, we didn't have a youth football program. We started it, and getting people involved was important. But I think, it, you know, the typical way most high school coaches handle, you know, training up their coaching staff is they might do one or two clinics for their youth football coaches in the spring and all of those guys might get there or not. But the point being is, you know, it's, let's say, four to eight hours of being able to talk to the coach, and then you're kind of on your own, right? And the thing with – I think those things are still important for them to understand. Here's the, the concept of the offense or the defense we run and things we believe in, et cetera. But, you know, the the support that's available then afterwards through all the resources and in the, the online education, the certification that USA puts together for the youth football coach, as I mentioned, kind of takes the heavy lift off of the coach. I know once I hit the season, it's not like youth football is going on in, in the spring. Youth football is happening concurrent with my season. So while I may go and, and watch some games on a, a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, the, the level of support I can really give to those coaches is limited. And I need them to be able to go somewhere to get those resources. I need them to be able to, you know, simple as, you know, the app that we have coming out, going on their phone, looking at drills, being able to put that together into a practice plan and sending it out to all my coaches. Guys, here's what we're working today. Here's the progression and teaching points, like things that, you know, again, the, the volunteer coach 
doesn't necessarily have that training or the time to go do all the research, that it is all available in one place and that it's all designed to bring this young athlete from wherever they might start, whether that's flag or limited contact or rookie tackle or 11-man football, whatever that point might may be, that there's the resources that allow the coach really to become educated and to be able to do a better job for these young players. Yes, I, that uh, is so important in, in that – we, we can't just base things on what happened 20 years ago. And, and we touched on that earlier, but it's great that a, a guy who loves the game and it's a game that is loved in America. Come on. It is America's passion. I don't care. Whatever. Anybody could come into a room and, and question football, but come on, take a look. When you talk about the national championship college game or the, or the Super Bowl. Look at the TV audience. Everybody is, it's America's passion. With respect to that, then let's do something right with the game. And that is letting kids enjoy it because they want to play. Kids want to play. It's our job as the adults to put them into a program that is safer for them, that they have confidence in what they're doing. And and here's a, if you throw a kid in who's never played any contact before and he you know Keith picture the kid who's who's you know the the oldest kid in the family and you know dad's guy hey, you know the kid wants to play football and he goes in the he comes out of that first practice and they put equipment on him and say okay here's let's start the practice off with Oklahoma for 20 minutes that poor kid's not going to come back the next day and that's that's the fault of what coaching was doing i mean that let the the kid is not ready for that he's got to be developed into that and that's why education is important and the high school guys yeah you know you 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 know hey we'll we'll bring the high school players out and they'll they'll show they'll they'll go over some drill kids and so on what that's great that's great but like you're saying that's how many times can that happen you know in august it's not going to happen a whole lot maybe a, a night or two. So something that they got, here is the youth coach and he can go online 24 hours a day, seven days a week, go on to say football and look up the drills and techniques. And there they are. And that's a source that is monumental. And if we're developing this game, that is America's passion. That's what we have to do. Coach, I agree with you so much as the the high school coach really being an ambassador for this. Taking a look at it, uh, we're going to have some resources available to coaches. Uh, We are starting a a podcast that will really be directed towards your youth coaches and commissioners and parents, but it's certainly, uh, I think, a good education piece for the high school coach as well. And, you know, this is something that not only is is taking off with some high school coaches in the area and what they're doing or around the country, I should say, and, and what they're doing within their programs, but it has the support of the higher levels, not just the colleges, but pro football, NFL football as well. And I know here in Cleveland, the Browns have kind of been huge supporters of this working in conjunction with USA football. And for you, as we mentioned earlier on, you have a role as a youth advisor to the Browns. So talk a little bit about, you know, this and the support that it's getting from the NFL clubs. Right. Uh, There's certainly with every pro football team, first of all, there, there, there are people within the organization that look at the youth interest in, in their areas. I assure you that the Cleveland Browns are 
looked at as an NFL organization that has really gone very inventive in the area, very creative, very open to ideas. I, I enjoy working uh, with them. And the nice thing about it is, and there's proof, they see the value of the game, the beauty of the game. They see the educational value of the game that you, Keith, you talk about all the time and all of us do and how to make it so that, that it's quality and safer. The Cleveland Browns have turfed fields, a number of fields all over Northeast Ohio. Why? Because it, it, for those communities to raise that kind of money involving with taxes and so on like that, it, it didn't, it doesn't look like they'd be able to do that. So the Browns have turfed fields. They have certainly invested in, in equipment programs where obviously we all know equipment, the helmets, the shoulder pads, it's, it's an expensive sport. And the Browns have gone way beyond a lot, most of the NFL teams in help providing that. Clinics and, and uh, summits and so on were, were very involved. And we have a couple of other programs that are, we're still developing that are going to definitely help the youth football coach in making it a better quality experience for the kids and the parents. And the beauty of this thing, Keith, we can go on here, but the beauty of it is, is the Cleveland Browns are going, yes, let's do this. Yes, let's do this. It, it just has been very, you're welcome to talk to other high school coaches and, and youth coaches in the area. They'll tell you because it, it's been that, that involved. So it's wonderful to see this. And I think the Browns are, are, are the example for all the NFL teams. And I think as we move down the road, Keith, I think we can get the major colleges involved in this, this sort of approach too. Yeah, there's NFL teams. Well, that's only 30 some teams in certain areas, but wait a minute, let, let's, let's start talking. Come on, you know, Ohio state, let's come on, Michigan, come on, university of Oregon, come on. You know what I mean? And, and go, look, you guys can get involved like these pro teams are doing. And that's, to be honest with you, something we're talking about with the Browns. That, yeah, we're doing this and we're willing to go to the NFL meetings and go, hey, this is what we're doing at the Cleveland Browns. Come on. This will help your area. This will help the kids in your area. And let's, let's go to the Big Ten and let's go to all these fine college conferences. You know, the, those top, you know, what, how many numbers you want to say, 54 college. You know, there's certain ones that – Come on, they're, they're making millions and millions of dollars. and <laughs> Football has been very good to those universities. Yes, you guys can get involved too. And by doing that, it's the ability to turn to the, to the youth programs there and help them where they need it and just be open to that. The Browns are the number one team in the NFL doing this, and I assure you of that. Yeah, it's it's something, Coach, we're certainly working with all the different conferences, the head coaches. I know we've made it a point to get out to all of the media days over the last several years after I, you know, as far as, you know, the time I've been in here, it's happened the last three years and talk to coaches about this exact thing, get their reaction to it, get their feedback on it. So I think everybody is working from the top down here to make this work and to, you know, in a lot of ways, just reimagine how we teach this game and teach it in a better way and in a way that we can keep it fun for these kids and keep them out for football because ultimately, you know, you and I and all these other guys listening, we, we coach the game because we love it, but also it's such an incredible vehicle for 
making better people, building character, building people who are going to go on and, and, you know, set, set the, the helmet down and the cleats down and walk into some other profession and do well for people, be great husbands, be great fathers, just all kinds of positives that come from it. And we want to see it thrive. I think it's important to our country. I think it's important to, you know, the future of a, a lot of young people. So many ways this game has given young men opportunities. You know, I want to mention something. You know, so many parents need to have a little bit more education on, on what takes place when you say, my son's going to go on to college and how can football help him with college? A lot of people think, well, if it's not a, you know, a division one school giving a full ride, then that's it. And that's so wrong. There's division one, division two, II, division three. Uh, parents need to be educated that first of all, if they're lucky enough to get a division one, well, that's great. I mean, genetics have something to do with that and, and, and so on, but the division two, II, division two II does have a partial scholarship and they, you know, you, you put in your financial aid thing. They, they make it certainly doable. But also Division threes, and and Keith, you you know this because you 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 coached you know Ball and Wallace and so on. Division three, I mean, people just think, well, there's no scholarship, so that you know, forget it. Well, people have to realize Division three coaches, it, 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 those schools, their financial aid packages. There, there's there's people in the finance office that, that your paperwork, look at your financial aid needs. And it's their job to make it doable for the family. You know, I mean, that, that's that's what they do. And what I have found over the years is here's the Division Three coach that comes and can kid come to visit the school and they show them around, they show them the what possibilities that they can for. You know, he's not okay. The kid's not going to be a, probably not going to be a professional football player, but he can enjoy playing football and get a, an education in what he's interested in doing. And that just opens up doors for, for young men. I, I've met so many young men, you know, certainly from the, the inner city schools and, and various places where they weren't sure they were going to be able to afford going to college. But, you know, they, they played high school football. The Division three coach sat down with them. Hey, why don't you come and visit our school? And the parents come and the financial aid people talk about, hey, well, this is how this works. And parents walk away going, I never knew that. I never knew that the way this could work. That has been way more than the Division One's getting scholarships. And you know that too, but you know that better than I do because you worked at BW. People just don't, uh, they, they think, well, because Division Three, there's no Division, you know, like Division One scholarships that financially forget it. No, that's, they need more education. And it opens up so many doors. For sure. Well, Coach, so appreciative of you taking time and, and sharing your thoughts and ideas here on really the future of this game, the direction it's going. And we will share some information at the end of this on how you can get involved with the football development model. But Coach, best of luck to you and the Wildcats at some point. You guys will get back going here, but best of luck to you guys in 2020. Okay. Thank you very much, Keith. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Uh, check it out, all of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. 
Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job.